They say love is patient, they say love is kind Marriage on the other hand takes those things plus wine Spousing is a journey, not for the faint of heart Being married to a human is a science and an art and Oh my gosh, it's so it's going so good. I have a cold beer in my hand and hey, I'm talking to my best friend, so it's good. Oh. Yeah, that really this is the all the best parts of life all together. What are you drinking? And I am drinking a um so it's actually my favorite beer. I think I've had it on the pod before. It's the Pine Hopple. <laughs> and it's Oh hard yeah, to you got it mm-hmm. from your like knockoff on, Aldi. I sure did on the beer sale. If there could be a knockoff Aldi, an off-brand oh, Aldi. Wait, actually that's a different one. That one's called Mm, something else I forget. Something about a beast. It has like a beastie beer name. Oh. Um, this one is from Evolution, I think. Yeah. Okay. Which is Pine Maryland. Hopper. So if it's like right between us. Oh. Yeah. That's great. Except for it's probably really hoppy. Mm. And pineapple. You love a hop. I do love a hop. Mm. What I'm are you drinking, drinking? I'm drinking the Sierra Nevada Winter Warmer, which is a Ooh. lager. Mark got a case of seasonal beers over the weekend, and we've been kind of like nursing them all week. So That's so nice. Oh, yeah. what's a, what is a winter warmer? What makes it wintry? It is and warm. a lager, which is a, a preferred type of beer of mine now. It says on the back... Um, rich and malty with a touch of sweetness, this beer lives up to its name. So I think it's probably just, it's just a very rich lager. Gotcha. I like like a malty, bready type of a beer. I like all those adjectives, but I would not like that beer. Really? Yeah, I'm not a lager girl. We do not share the same taste in beer. You're right. Yeah. Well, (laughs) Should we we just call it off now, like, end the pod? This is it. We're done. (laughs) It's been great, listeners. A whole episode in two minutes. Um, actually, I do want to talk a little bit because a uh, little peek behind the curtain here. This is the first episode we are recording since the launch of our first episode. Mm-hmm. So the previous episodes that you just heard, we had recorded before we launched the first one. Um, and I, I'm truly touched by the response that we've gotten so far. Um, we have actually have listeners. We have, um, a listener from Bulgaria. Hey, Elise. And I know we have one in Ecuador. Hey, Allie. And, yep. And um, we actually had 331 downloads over, over the oh last couple of days. Yeah. So I think I this am This has really... been in, in the last, like, what's today? In the last three days? Three days. Yeah. That's so, really humbling. <laughs> I know. And I think this is, it speaks to the idea that we all have this idea of marriage on our minds, whether we're married or just thinking about marriage or just interested in social customs and there's just a lot to be said and the thing that I am most excited about is um, not only just my perspective (laughs) but I'm also excited about um, the thing I just really want people's feedback I want our community uh, to grow and I'm really excited by all the messages that we've gotten from people the the questions that they're asking Um, I don't think marriage is something that can exist in a vacuum and I think we need each other to help um, to help us walk through this thing, this wild, crazy, intense thing called marriage. Um, And I have been really um, excited by all of the feedback so far. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I 
I completely agree with you that marriage is um, not something that happens in a vacuum and that you need your community. And that just reminds me, I know, so we're like gushing about 300 like plus downloads. And I know that in the scheme of things, that's not like a huge amount compared to like a lot, I don't know, big podcasts. Yeah. This American Life like, me, probably does a little better. <laughs> well, just a bit. I mean, just a little bit. 370 like downloads? I yeah, mean. probably. Um, but <laughs> I think request. for you and me, like that's, that's a big deal. And I think it's really confirming of this thought that I had that other people want to talk about this stuff too, that other people Absolutely. are interested in it. And I, that make, makes me think of one of the reasons that we started this podcast um, was I have for a really long time wanted to listen to just a couple people riff on like life as a married person. And mm-hmm. I would love for that to be a podcast. And then I look around at all of the podcasts that are about marriage or about that thing that you're talking about, which is like community supporting people in marriage tends to be from um, a, an evangelical Christian perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is fine, and I completely respect that, and that's going to go into what we're talking about today on today's episode. I completely respect that, but they, I don't necessarily think about my religion and all of the decisions in my marriage, and, like, that's where they're focused on, and so I think that it just shows, Lauren, that, like, a lot of people think about the same things that that you and I do, and that's, that's yeah. reassuring. Yeah, it really, it really is, and it makes me wonder... Because there are stats about, which we can get into a little bit later, but about religious marriages being more, um, long, like having more longevity than um, marriages that outside of religion. And mm-hmm. I wonder if part of that is because religion does take a focus on, in, well, at least in my own experience, my religion focuses on the art of marriage. Um, yeah. And- so I only know of two types of like groups of people that get together and talk about marriage and like think about what they can do better in marriage and one of them are people that are whose marriages are in trouble that go on like marriage retreats to like therapy weekends or whatever and the other is some evangelical christians i there's not like some cool hipster like you know, let's get together at a marriage retreat at Bonnaroo and like yeah. after the after the festival go and talk about how we can communicate better with each other. And that's all I want to be. I just want to be your cool, hippie, festive, kind of gay marriage retreat. Yeah, kind of <laughs> gay, mostly drunk marriage retreat yeah. where nobody sleeps with each other. That's what I want. Or like where you only sleep with your spouse because yeah. then it feels like, okay, well, it's going to be like a marriage retreat during the day, but like at night. And I just don't, can't we have something that's nice and, and in between? Yeah, right. <laughs> nice and in between. I think that's what we call modern marriage. Ah, uh, let's, if we sum it up like that. So anyway, I too am really grateful for the um, the feedback. And if you like being a part of this conversation with us, um, you know, subscribe. Yes. <laughs> Rate. Yeah. Share with your friends. Let people yeah. know. <laughs> those, are, those are things that are important from our like podcast business perspective. Yeah. But from my podcast, Lauren, perspective, my, my biggest thing is I just want to hear from you. I want to yeah, know me too. what is our community. Like, and yeah. and um, I had a thought and then someone, a very dear listener, echoed the same thought that we, we should be a community of spousers. Mm-hmm. We are not each other's spouses, but we are there in support. Yeah. We're each other's community. Thanks, Alex. Speaking of him, um, <laughs> we have a very exciting um, first on this podcast. We have our first listener question. Um, Alex is um, 
a listener. Um, he's also one of my closest friends, one of Lauren's good friends too. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a lot of very enthusiastic feedback for us and immediately had questions that he wanted us to answer as if we're experts. Um, <laughs> I don't know. This global caveat for this entire podcast, Lauren and I are probably wrong about some things sometimes. Most things, most times. (laughs) Most things, most times. But we really like uh, growth opportunities, so it's okay with us if we're wrong. Yep. Um, Are you ready for this listener question, Lauren? I'm really ready. Okay. Um, My latest relationship thoughts revolve around atrophied skills. For example, I think my partner has basically lost all ability to keep a calendar or leave the house with tickets and directions before a show. And I think I've lost all interest in cooking because he's so quality. Is this natural? If we were to break up or one of us died, we'd almost have to re- we'd almost have to relearn half of how to be fully functional human beings. Is that a problem or is it simply an efficient use of human resources? Are there important skills that you're worried that you're losing because your partner just does them for you? So it's our listener questions. Yeah. Okay. What do you yeah. think about that? That I think it is such an excellent question. It's funny because I don't um, I don't often think about the ways that we might be worse off. I guess <laughs> and that's not what he's saying. He, he Alex is saying that the skills that it takes to do life you only have to do half of them once you're part of a cup, once you're part of a pair of part of a marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what happens just, to that other half? Let's be clear. One of the best parts of being married. Yes, it really is. Um, yeah. And I think, um, because of my optimism in life and just my commitment to just not, not assuming that things just suck. Cause I don't really think that there's a way to change it. I don't think that necessarily it makes more sense for Alex to do the cooking or to ask Aaron to, get the tickets for the concert because that's also not my job and I don't want that job. (laughs) Um, And I know that in, when you look at like business, um, it, when you're dealing with a group of professionals, it makes more sense. And I think this is Tom Rath, the friends you should have. I don't remember the name title of the book. Do you know that book I'm talking about? Mm -mm. Uh, I'll figure it out. But it's um, his idea is that our skill sets are the things that we're strong in are the things that we should be employed in. It makes way Mm -hmm. more sense if I am a person that hates public speaking, then don't put me in front of that audience because you can train me. But really, if my skills are in spreadsheets, that's where I should be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm a therapist is because I just like to run my mouth. Yeah, well, although I really, like one could speaking, which is yeah. I'm a teacher. <laughs> well, one could argue that a good therapist doesn't run their mouth and just listens, <laughs> but <laughs> not this therapist. Who is that person? I don't know her. <laughs> yeah, you don't you agree. Know, <laughs> it's funny that you say that because I was. I see this in a little bit of a different way. Okay. And I only see this in a different way because of when I was applying his question to myself, the skills that Mark does and our relationship are not really things I don't know how to do anymore. I'm a little out of practice in them, but they're typically the things that I'm either bad at or I don't like in the first place or that like I feel strongly about and he doesn't feel strongly about. And so I am like, for example, he does the bank account checking because Mm -hmm. I, for since I got, since I first had a bank account, I have like tremendous anxiety just logging into the bank account. So he keeps on top of all of that. Could I do that if he were to die? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I could, but I don't do it. And so I think, and then on the, you know, the other hand, I do all of the grocery shopping because 
Mark just doesn't like it, and now he doesn't do as good of a job as I do. Um, he's not as good at substituting ingredients as I am, but he could if he needed to. So yeah. I think of it as people maximizing their strengths other than, like, other people's skills diminishing. Like, I'm sure that Alex could figure out how to cook. He might have to relearn, but I would argue that maybe he never learned in the first place. Um, I think our <laughs> listener would agree with that. <laughs> so it wouldn't words. be a relearning so much as a he never learned. Because <laughs> yeah. Aaron has been cooking for him since the beginning. Yeah, but I've heard this this same idea um, before in... Um, couples that are very advanced in their marriage like marital age and then human age and mm-hmm. when one one of them does pass away that the other one does I feel this like emptiness and like the i don't know who is it the coupon drawer is that i think that's gilmore girls and i think it's the revival which is embarrassing to quote but <laughs> um there's a whole thing about like i don't want to die and not know where the coupon i don't want you to die and not know where the coupon drawer is yeah because that's always been your job so that the idea of after feed skills i think it's one of those things that as long as you're thinking about it which now hopefully you all are yeah (laughs) I think as long as you're thinking about it you're not getting to a place where you just absolutely can't do that thing anymore um there is a way to look at it that's like a like a positive like a like a um, balance maximization of your skill set well it's really like two people becoming one person right like you become Mm -hmm. a left hand and a right hand and you have to work together like Mm -hmm. in coordination to play the piano, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I don't play the piano, but I assume that. Neither do I, and that metaphor, that was some mixed metaphors, right? (laughs) It's like your marriage or two hands that have to play the piano. It's not my best, not my best work. We never claim to be experts. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, what I would say is that I think it's completely normal that in any system where you're working and living together and like, you know, marriage is a lot of work, in any system like that, your skill, one person's skills are going to, yeah. you know, it's like you compensate for yeah. each other. Okay. I just thought of a, an example. Um, some, so a place where this, this happened and this is not inside, this was before my marriage, but, um, actually directly before I knew, so Caitlin and I, when we went dress shopping, she is not a shopper. Like that is absolutely my skill set. I love wedding shop. dress I shopping. It. Yeah, when we went wedding dress shopping, did I not? Did I not specify? No, you just said dress shopping. I oh think. yeah. Okay, I was so like, you wedding. guys could wear dresses <laughs> other times. <laughs> You're right. We can. Mm-hmm. Okay. I knew Caitlin. Um, I usually do the shopping for both of us. Um, one of the perks of being a queer couple is that we share a closet and we share our uh, clothes. And what that really means is that Caitlin shares my clothes because Mark she and I like share shoes. So oh man, I wish mm-hmm. that's the one thing we can't share. We're I'm both real, a size a men's size ten and a half. I'm it's very scary. jealous of that. <laughs> that's the one thing I don't like about Caitlin. I've told her so. <laughs> yeah, well, the one thing I don't like about Mark is that I can't wear his mini skirts. So oh well, okay. But Caitlin also does not wear a lot of mini mini skirts. <laughs> Say so. which one of any of us wears a mini skirt? To be honest, <laughs> I don't think any of us do. I was just trying to think of the most feminine clothing I could think of. Yeah. Well. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so I you think were Mark dressed would up look great in a mini skirt. I'm gonna go ahead and say his it. legs would probably be he the best looking. He has nice looking. legs. He's mm-hmm. toned, man. He is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So as we navigate away from Mark's thighs, um, <laughs> <laughs> so Caitlin needed to buy a wedding dress. Felt a great deal of pressure about it. Had the help of, like, family and friends, but really and truly just did not enjoy the experience 100%. And, and at the end of the experience, she felt like she had overpaid. She felt like she had got – and then she had to get a bunch of alterations on the dress. Um, and I think if we could do – so that was a situation in which 
her atrophy, well, and that wasn't really an atrophy skill set. That was one of those never existed in the first place. But mm -hmm. one of those things that she did not enjoy doing would have been super fun for us to do together. Yeah. Um, and because I, that is my thing, like I do like to shop and all of that stuff, I think if we could do it all over again, we'd probably just say to hell with it about the not seeing each other before the wedding. Thing. Yeah. And I would just go and help because it was just such a, it became such a um, difficult um, task and it didn't need to because she had a partner who could have done it, you know, mm -hmm. as much more with less um, strife. Yeah. 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 You know, I... One of the things, because I'm trying to think about, um, you and I have the luxury of knowing the 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 question or the spouser that wrote in. Mm -hmm. um, you and I have the luxury of knowing them, so I I'm trying to compare myself to this person's partner, and I think Mark does things for me. Like I'm definitely the person that doesn't remember the tickets either. Yeah, um, me too. But I didn't. Again, I didn't do it before I got married either. I never remembered the tickets. You know what I mean? Same. Like I was never, yeah. it's just that before I got married, my life sucked more. And now it's like, <laughs> things are easier and better. You know, oh, like I would just I say that, that like, Alex probably never, I lived with this guy for two years. So I know that Alex didn't really ever cook before this relationship. It's just now he eats better because he yeah. has somebody around him that cooks. I don't know. Oh. Okay, like Alex, what skill of yours did you lose? Right. I need your, we need your feedback on this, on our response. We want your response to our response. Yeah, 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 yeah. Write in, in another it. question. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so we're going to put a button on that. Yeah. Um, well, okay. so, so. I guess the important thing for us to do uh, now is to tell people that you and I have um, changed our mind about our wins and losses segment. <laughs> Like the Obamas in marriage equality, our views are evolving. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we have decided that we uh, don't believe that people lose in their marriages. Um, our, everybody makes mistakes. That was our goal, is to illustrate that everybody you know, screws things up sometimes, especially Lauren and I. But um, oh, yeah. we've decided that we're just not very good at calling things losses because of growth mindset. We just believe that everything is an opportunity to grow. <laughs> and because marriage is such a long stretching thing. Like if you, you know, it's, it's like, and, and also I don't like the concept of thinking of it as like losing a battle, but winning the war. Marriage isn't mm -hmm. a war. We're not scorekeepers. Yeah. Um, so, and also it's not even a pun. And, and that really is the most is. important thing. Lauren, pun enthusiast. Yes. Um, at least I can get on with the puns. I, I don't do potty humor. So this is, yeah. well, so as long as and you I'm refrain from that. fart jokes on the pod, Katie. <laughs> your favorite type That's of joke is a fart joke that involves a pun. Like that no, is your. I spend a lot of time with eight-year-olds, guys. I... You do. You are. You. What is it about getting a job in something that you're skilled at? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the best. <laughs> Man. So what are we calling this segment now? And I want it to be known that this pun wasn't even mine. This came from my co-host, Katie, my skilled co-host, Katie. Right, but you I like them know... better than me, so I'll let you say it. Okay, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, so today we're going to, instead of thinking about things as wins and losses, I want to know about the state of our unions. Woo! <laughs> so so uh, what's, what's the state of your union this week, Lauren? What's going on in, in Casa Aversa? Casa Aversa. Um, 
things are overall good. I wanted to talk from some, uh, talk about something. And Glennon mm-hmm. says that you should never speak from the open wound, always speak from the scar. Mm-hmm. But today I'm not listening to Glennon because this <laughs> just happened. Um, speak from that open wound, girl. Speak. I'm speaking from my open wound. It's a small wound, yes. which is why I think I'm speaking <laughs> from it. Um, okay, so today my beautiful, hardworking um, wife had her first day, so last yesterday was her last day of the semester, so she's totally done um, with school, and that means she finally has, like, a chance to take a break, which mm-hmm. is amazing. So today she went and she got her hair cut and did a couple of other things and came home, and then I have had, and I will say, I've had, like, a very long, stressful week, and um, I got home, and Caitlin's, like, so excited, and she's, and then also I see, I see her face kind of drop, and she goes, I have to tell you something. Like, oh, oh, no. Geez. And she goes, so I spent some money at the salon. And I was like, well, yeah, you got a haircut. You know, like thinking like, of course you did. And she's mm-hmm. like, no, no, I bought products. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Lord, who buys products at the salon? Uh, somebody who are? can't say no. <laughs> yes, which is my beautiful, lovely, wonderful wife. And it comes from a good quality. It does. And you know what? She it has been on a journey with her hair care lately her hair is perfect oh she's just gorgeous and it's very frustrating how little effort it takes (laughs) and she so she found this thing that she likes and the the hairstylist who's a a family friend recommended it to her and so she bought the stuff which is all well and good however my number one stressor lately has been that we are now a single income house and mm-hmm. there's just stuff that we want to do, and we I just don't have, like, the quantities of, of funds and resources to be able to do the stuff we want to do and the things that we need to do. Like, her car needs new headlights, and we have families, and we got to buy holiday gifts for everybody and, you know, all that stuff. That So I reacted from that place, mm-hmm. and that was not smart because then all I did was make her feel bad, and she already knew that it was, like – and. What I wanted she had to, already punished herself. Exactly. And what I needed to communicate to her there was, in the future, I want to make sure that when we're making purchases, we are talking about it together so that we can decide how to use our limited funds wisely. That's yeah. all I wanted to say. But instead, I said all kinds of other stuff that was not as, you know, like, that was like, how, like, why would you do, like, you know, silly, and of course it didn't blow it up into anything huge, but it was just not as... Um, not as gentle and gentle and sensitive as I could have been so yeah the state of the union overall fine the state of the union right now I've done things that I wish I could have done differently yeah you spoke reactively instead of responsively Mm -hmm. right and like Mm -hmm. that's the important that just really makes me I was not sure what I was going to talk about in my little state of the union address but now I know what I'm going to talk about (laughs) um you spoke reactively instead of responsively and you know what though I know also something that you need to remember and I'm I say that it sounds like I'm about to lecture you but it's something that it's helpful for me to remember at least Mm -hmm. is that actually I think this about Mark all the time I think I wish that he would also remember this because I think it would be good if I could have this on the receiving end Anything that you could tell me about how I messed up, I've already said to myself and meaner so than you could true. say it. Oh, so true. And and so when you are, when I screw up, unless it's something that I'm in denial about, and like in which case, bring it to my attention. But if, if when I screw up, I've already said to myself like five times, 
you're a mess up, like, you're a screw-up, you've, you know, like, he's gonna be so disappointed in you, you broke a promise. And so if he were to yell at me, like, what I need there is forgiveness, and that's what makes me motivated to do better next time, you know? Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. And and, and understanding and I, that I know that I screw up. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly, and, and, and so do I, and that's... And that I, and that's the same kind of grace that I would look for in the situation if the situation had been reversed. You know, why do you I think know. you were reactive tonight? Do you like there's surely there are times where you would have been responsive. Is it because of the stress? You're just a little worn thin. Yeah, um, exactly. hundred percent. I think part of it is uh, hormonal. Part of it is just I have had a really extremely long week and kind of realizing the limits of of um like our my our earning and my ability to earn right now and um mm. I think it's been very difficult and just knowing that like so it was a trigger in, it was a trigger point exactly. and you were vulnerable I w- I am not at my like 100% best and it was something that it's like it's my number one worry of yeah. life is like the fact that we just Oof, can't seem to get ahead storm. you know it mm-hmm. was it was and so I know we need to do it better I need to do it better <laughs> well that's, that's the state of right now and hopefully yeah next week the, the tune will be different and I'll be like hey I did everything perfectly this week that's okay I mean maybe you probably won't <laughs> I was gonna say that week we get to have champagne or something <laughs> yeah the week that we're perfect yeah <laughs> uh remind me to tell you guys next time about how I ruined my entire honeymoon and like based on choices that I made and how like okay, we're just we're not perfect people <laughs> I have a um a an episode planned for us that's a reflections of like wedding and honeymoon so I want to like get to that Oh gosh, okay, good. What is the state of your union, Katie? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, we've had a busy week here. Um I feel inclined to kind of brag for a little bit about how um Mark has been in school. Uh, we've been single income as well. That's been super, mm-hmm. super hard. And he just finished up student teaching and he will be earning his teaching certificate um, as soon as the state board approves him. Yeah, within like three weeks. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm, so I'm raising proud. the roof like it's 1996 over here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he deserves a roof raise. Yeah. He, um, yeah, he's been in school for two years now and he just is so ready to be back to working full time again. Um, Guess what, Lauren? It's hard to get a job as a teacher, especially a, a specials teacher. Oh, no um, kidding. No that's kidding. really challenging. Super so, challenging. Yeah, and so he um, has, it just hasn't been as easy. We've had a couple really disappointing situations with the job search this fall um, that are not worth going into, but what is worth saying is that this week he got his first job offer, which has just been like, I don't know, a hundred, a hundred pounds off of both of our backs. Yeah. And it's finally good for him to see the fruits of his labor. Yeah. And, and make him feel like maybe this wasn't a huge giant mistake. Yeah. And especially after one, like there was one particular job that like he didn't get, that was a big blow and it just, and we thought it was a sure thing, which is so, you know, the times when I think things are sure things and I, and then they turn out to not be. It, it just really hurts, you know, when you yeah, think, like, it uh, that's, it, like, hurts doubly more than just, mm-hmm. like, regular rejection. So, yeah. um, this has just been much needed salve to that pain. But what I was also going to talk about is I had a big success this week, which is that I did something that I never in a million years thought that I could do, which is I went to a seven hour long silent meditation retreat on Saturday. And, um, It was incredible, and one of the mindfulness has been, out of all of the therapeutic techniques that I've learned, 
there's a handful, like three to five that I, that have changed my life and that I use for myself every day of the week. Mm. And mindfulness is one of them. Um, and I thought that I practiced mindfulness before this like mindfulness course, but I've been super and not even like even half as dedicated as he asked us to be, but I've been super dedicated to this course. And, um, this retreat is something I never thought that I would do. I was so afraid of sitting in silence for seven hours, but I have learned something really powerful about myself, which is that, um, I am super capable of doing really hard things. And like, I also have learned and come to accept that I am somebody who, um, when the going gets tough, I get out of there. I am a quitter. Like I, and I always have been, I'm very, um, pain averse and I, um, have just learned that I don't have to be at through, yeah. through that practice. And it's been so indispensable in my marriage, like knowing to be, to be patient. And that's, I work so much on that reactivity versus responsivity thing. And you yeah. have more of an opportunity to be responsive when you have more space, more elbow room in your mind, you know? Right. So it's just been, not only am I incredibly proud of myself for, doing something but I'm also really excited that I feel like I've had like an aha moment about my own personal um my own personal shortcomings and it feels I feel like really compassionate about it like I don't feel shame about it I just I just have come to understand that I'm a quitter like that's I'm flaky and I don't follow through (laughs) and I don't know if it's too obvious to draw the parallel there however realizing like that you don't have to be and that you're not a slave to that that's such a direct, like, direct impact on your marriage. Oh, you know? yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And I think about that a lot. Uh-huh. Just, yeah, the idea that people's marriages go through this 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 hot take that sometimes marriage is hard, that sometimes <laughs> Yeah, you're the first person to say that. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's huge. And I think mm-hmm. that's going to be huge in your, your life, in your own personal life, and also the life that you create within your marriage. Yeah. Well, and you know what else? Like one of the benefits of mindfulness too is not just increased like spaciousness in my psyche, but also more presence with the positive things. Like Mm -hmm. it is such a gift and a joy to be able to pay attention, you know, to him and to, and to our relationship. And it's going to (laughs) sound, this is a marriage podcast, so I can be gushy. I like to be able to pay attention to him because there is a fear that I've had in my life that I would become bored of somebody, the same person for the rest of my life, especially somebody who's not like, you know, Mark is, he's like not a talker. He doesn't need to externally process. He processes internally. He's fine. He moves on. He's a yeah. little like, um, to reference Gilmore Girls, he's a little like um, Luke in yeah, some ways. All dark, handsome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And all, much, much nicer, but you know, quiet, like a little yeah. reserved. So I, you know, I've been afraid of that before. And now I know, now knowing how if you pay attention, there's nothing in this world that is boring at all. Um, it sounds woo-woo, but I no, don't know. It Mindfulness has changed my life. I have had the active thought a couple of times <laughs> recently. And it, that's, I was like giggling to myself before because it's such a, it's an, one of those obvious truths that we, uh, oh, yeah. busyness of modern life, just like shove away because it's too hard to deal with. But the truth is Yeah, but how that, joyful that you can still make those discoveries. Yeah, so true. But I'm actually happier if Caitlin and I are together and I am not on my phone. Like sometimes <laughs> I feel like, because I'm not a person who can like, text or 
like do phone stuff usually during my job hours when I get home I I often feel this pressure to like quote unquote catch up like what's going on I gotta find out and it's like okay so then I'm like okay babe I just need like a few minutes to like do that and then I'll be present it's like I actually don't need that and if I can like resist the urge of the scroll and put it away I am so much happier just like interacting like with and if I'm too tired to like have an actual human conversation then I'm then I'm so much happier watching TV even if it's a rerun of friends I've seen 1200 mm. times it's just like folk the, the gift of paying attention resonates me ren- it resonates with me so strongly yeah and you know what you got to that place from the act of paying attention, right? You noticed that, oh, hey, I'm actually happier right now. Because you were just being mindful of, you you were just had an awareness of your mood state. And there's just, I mean, there's so much to learn. There's so much to know. There's just, yeah, it's a really, um, I told my nephew that I was going to do it and that I was going to be sitting for seven hours in silence without a phone or an iPad (laughs) or anything. And he said, what's going to happen to you? And I said... (laughs) I said, I don't know, we'll find out. And like, yeah. it's just astonishing to me that when I'm very, 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 very quiet and I look inward, it's incredibly, I don't, it's not boring at all. There's yeah. a lot, there's a lot to know about myself. I, I've been, unfortunately, um, I've been learning some things that I are not great, right? Like I'm a quitter, but I, right. but I've learned that from going in. And right. then how that shift that that knowledge has allowed me um, has really changed me. Yeah, this week at least. (laughs) This week. And now now you can go and be like, here's what happened to me. Yeah. It wasn't bad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. In fact, Mm -hmm. it was extremely positive. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't Um, it wasn't terrible. you know what? Thinking about things that can be bad and also can be terrible. it can be positive or terrible. Yeah, let's jump into our our topic. Our topic for today, which is religion. Religion. Yeah. We this is um This is a topic I'm excited to talk about primarily because of what I was saying earlier, which is that I have been super frustrated by the lack of available information out there on marriage from a non-religious perspective. (laughs) So much like media and um, resources and um, guides are so, so much of that stuff is religious based and based on not spiritually based, but religious based. So that's kind of how this podcast was formed. But you and me are people who come from religious backgrounds, who are married to people with religious opinions and backgrounds as well. And so even if we are, first of all, like a secular podcast, second of all, people who are not living like an evangelical um, Christian marriage, Right. We still have to deal with religion in our everyday life. Yes, we do. Yeah. We absolutely do. And I, it's funny to think about the resources that we were given as we were starting the uh, wedding process, like the premarital counseling. We didn't get this from um, our pastor because that person that married us was UCC. But we did get some information from um, a coworker of, of my wife's. And it was all resources that were made. Um, they were all Catholic resources. They had really good advice. However, Caitlin and I are not recognized as married when we walk into a Catholic church. Mm-hmm. And it's wild to me to think that, like, some of the things that that are just marriage tips, it's weird that religion puts this, like, exclusivity on it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it does. And I think it's important to, like, draw a distinction between religion and spirituality to me mm-hmm. because, to me... 
I take it for granted that everybody has a spiritual life. Like that is something that I think is probably true for everybody and that they might just use different words to describe it. Like, because for me, I think of love as a spiritual experience. And so Mm -hmm. you might not think of it as a spiritual experience, but you might, you still experience love. And so I think of, you know, I just think that that's, to me, that is what spirituality is. That said, religion, I think of as a cultural thing yeah that is a set of spiritual standards but it's a really a cultural thing which is why it can be so complicated when it comes to marriage because you can be and i've got this awesome article that um i'll share with you i'll put in the show notes it's from the guardian it's from um the november 2017 it's from november of 2017 on the guardian it's what happens when you fall in love across the religious divide by this guy Reza Aslan, I think I said his name right. Um, basically, he and his wife are in an interfaith marriage, and he, one of the things that he talks about is how spirituality, you can be two people who are from completely different faiths, but share a very similar type of spirituality, mm. whereas your faiths are more about your culture and the ways in which you practice that. Interesting, yeah. Mm-hmm. How has this like shown up? Talk a little bit about, like, you and Caitlin. You've talked about this before, but you and Caitlin are in an interfaith marriage. We are in an interfaith marriage or a faith in a lack of faith marriage. Yeah. How do you Um, see, like, what do you, how do you guys differ on, like, spirituality as opposed to Christianity? um, I think in terms of values and beliefs, we are completely aligned Okay, I'm going to say that with a caveat. <laughs> Caitlin's uh, spiritual beliefs, and, and, my, and this is my view of her, so I'm interpreting this and I may be incorrect. Um, because she still has some, like, vestigial Catholic spirituality or vestigial Catholic organs in her body. And in her Catholic faith, she was taught that you should use your, which goes back to our listener's question, you should use the gifts that, that God gave you to serve. Mm-hmm. So Caitlin feels like she's been given a specific set of gifts. And if a service opportunity doesn't fit within those gifts, then why do it? Because that might be somebody else's gifts. It might not. It, but it's just not the best use of your talent. So recently we went, we have um, done some work with our church on like feeding the homeless or feeding the uh, a popu- just populations that need to be, um, that just need food. And so mm-hmm. we, um, you know, those people. Populations <laughs> that, that need to be fed. <laughs> yes, right, because they're not all homeless. But sometimes people just need help with basic with like, food. Stuff, like food. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so we've been doing that. And it's funny, we had a good conversation about it. She was like, but why? Because that's not, neither of us are like incredible chefs. You know, like neither of us like feel particularly called. But my, and the way that I was is my spirituality is service oriented how do I just whatever that needs to be done let's do it Mm. Um, so it's just interesting I don't think that there's a morally right and a morally wrong view on service as a part of our spiritual lives Mm -hmm. because Caitlin even though she doesn't believe in a god she believes in helping others that that we should like do good things around the world Mm -hmm. Um, and I believe in that with all of the religious all of my um, religious beliefs attached to that um but even though we still we both kind of believe like let's let's do things to make the world better, her things look different than mine. Yeah, yeah. There's a um, 
an NPR article about this married couple where she is a Methodist and he is an atheist and she's, oh my gosh, I should, I should share this with you because, and I will, yeah, because I'm too. talking about it, but she's a nurse and he's a teacher. Oh my, oh my gosh. Isn't that great? Um, Wait, which one's the Methodist? The nerd? Nurse? The, ner- the nurse is the Methodist and okay. he's the teacher. Yeah. Methodist. He's a fourth wow. grade teacher. Um, and <laughs> so anyway, they got married and, but they both say, um, that they both like to do service activity. They said something like, um, she said something about them doing something like feeding the homeless, or I don't have the article in front of me, but them doing a service activity together. And she's like, what drives either of us to do this service activity might be something different, but in the end, we're both doing the service activity. Yeah, <laughs> And exactly. like, ultimately, the fact that we both have a desire to serve, it might come from a different place, but who cares? And I sort of think that that is exactly how this is going to happen. I think what's going to eventually happen as we soften to each other over the next 50 years is that we are going to find service opportunities that fit her. Um, Caitlin has done a lot of work with um, teaching sex education courses through a program called OWL, O-W-L, Our Whole Lives. The curriculum is amazing. It's completely comprehensive. It covers everything from consent to marriages to non-traditional marriages. To How to ask somebody on a everything. date. It's amazing. Yeah, everything in between. And um, she has taught that previously to um, – the, actually, the curriculum starts in, like, kindergarten. It's very – very true to its name. It really is the whole span of things. They even have an elderly person our whole lives class. (laughs) Oh yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I could see us teaching something like that together because that would, that would fill my need for like the service thing. And for her, it would fill her need of like, of, of serving with her gifts and things that she knows that she's good at. And as a medical professional, she has a ton of information about, you know, sexual health and all of the things in between. Yeah. And she also has that authority there. Yeah. Um, let me read you. Let me read you a little quote. It's not a little quote. It's a block of text, but it's a. I think it's a worthwhile quote from this article. Um, the what happens when you fall in love um, across marriage or across faith. Yeah. Okay. Um, so. He says, um, despite all of this, some people still ask us, exasperated, wouldn't it just be so much easier to share the same religion? We get it. It makes sense that so many of us dream, initially at least, that we will find true love with a person who shares the same religious label, because we think it means that they have walked the same religious path that we have. After all, love is its own manifestation of the divine, so why not find a person to love who has the same perspective on the divine? We naturally look for someone who has made the same leaps of faith, who has gone through the same internal transformation, who nods along knowingly as we describe our indescribable connection to something invisible. We imagine someone who gets us, who shares the same truth or God or gods that we do, or perhaps who has uttered the same denials as us, or who remains as steadfastly unsure about the meaning of it all as we ourselves are. The assumption here is that sharing the same religion is a shortcut to deeper unity, but praying the same words in the same order, or reading the same sacred book through and through again, or singing the same songs that are not necessarily a gateway are not necessarily a gateway to meaningful connection. Each journey of faith is unique and personal. No two believers are alike. And, as anyone in a relationship will tell you, no two people are alike. Everyone has their own views, opinions, convictions, regardless of their chosen religion, or lack of one. Some relationships are interfaith, but all relationships are interbelief. Wow. What do you think about that? I think that rings true because I would be, 
I don't think that if I met somebody else that had walked, like, my faith path, the path mm-hmm. of faith, uh, I don't think that we would agree. I don't, and I often, I have a hard time with my Christian identity in terms of other Christians. Yeah, um, and, me and too. And I have since, like, forever, since I've been, a, like, well, since I've been a person, like, since college, I think it's been Did you know, difficult. I'm still even, I don't even, like, I still can't even really call myself a Christian. I say I go to church, but, like, yeah. that's because I feel uncomfortable. Right. There's, there's, a, yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's funny because I found a niche of people. I've just moved to the South where people are much more Christian than they are in the North. Um, and it's funny, there's a camaraderie that I'm okay being a part of that I find um, when people talk about things, of, like the things that happen as being, and they kind of like give it up as in like, this was bigger yeah. than me. That's mm-hmm. something that me personally, like I agree and can relate with to and with that Mm -hmm. but it's still very hard to take that identity for myself when there's so much and so many people out there that call themselves christian that i cannot even with you know yeah yeah and not even on the fringe like eat people in the middle right (laughs) you know that i'm like whoa i don't think like biblical biblical literalism is something that we would really need to it would be a very hard thing for me to which um just to i know that's not like a thing everybody knows about but there are christians who are biblical literalists who believe that what the bible says is the god's truth like the gospel like noah literally literally fit like like all of those animals on the the bible exactly exactly and right there was a literal talking snake yeah and my mom famously had a um like, I wouldn't call it an argument, but a very, like, heated disagreement with the Catholic, because my dad was raised Catholic, and my mom was raised um, Southern Baptist, and when they got married, she um, figured that she probably would, like, become a Catholic, and, you know, just, it didn't really, just like, okay, and then she started learning about Catholicism, and the whole transubstantiation thing came mm-hmm. up, which is the idea that the sacraments, or the or, um, communion, is actually the blood and body of Jesus Christ. And my mom was like, no, no, it's a symbol. Like, you can say it's actually, we like, but we know it's a symbol. Like, this, like, and she's looking at my dad. She's like, you're a chemistry major. You know that this is not, like, <laughs> <laughs> the compounds and the bread and the wine are not changing. This is a symbol. And, you know, the priest, of course, like, that's one of the tenets of Catholicism. And so she was like, okay, this is not for me. And yeah. so, you know, it's just funny that there's so much of faith that becomes toxic in the wrong hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're so that right. It scares me. Well, and it can scare, especially, like, you're a part of that. But I'm wondering, was Caitlin scared at all? Like, when you told Caitlin that you were a Christian, was Caitlin like, I need you to explain yourself? Uh, no. Her, her relationship with faith is fascinating to me. Um, she definitely never, so she was a very, like, kind of devout Christian. I mean, Catholic. Um, which oh, I didn't Christian. know that. Yeah, yeah, she was, and she was, like, a lector, and um, even through college, like, still was kind of on that faith journey on herself, and when we talked about it, I was like, so what was your relationship with God? And she was like, oh, no, no, like, in our church, you don't, like, you don't talk to God directly, like, you go through the priest for that, Yeah, which is very interesting to me, because that is 100% not my experience, and to me, Christianity, or the idea of, like, a religion, is always, like, me and God. And then, yeah. like, other people that I can talk to, like, when I need help. But, like, really, it's me and God, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting. So she so she was not, like, she understood that you could be a Christian and not subscribe to, like, no, everything. No, she did not. 
Oh, she no, did. Which it. is why she left the faith. Like she just oh. she doesn't believe, and that's very like consistent with her, um, the per, her personality and all of the things that I love about her is like if she's doing something, she's like whole ass doing that thing. Yeah, yeah. Hey, she's... by the way, did you notice that we have a parental advisory rating? You and me. Yeah. Yeah. Our it's because does. Yeah, it's because I say fuck. <laughs> I put that on there. I, I oh, made good. it explicit. Oh, you did that. I thought yeah, it's not else some did like that. it's not some like iTunes reviewer that was oh, like, oh, was she like, said the f word. Say whole ass. And then <laughs> no, it was me. Oh, I love it. You think that there's some like elf behind the them? Doing I know. The I was like, some little intern is listening to 600 podcasts a day. She said like, the f word. <laughs> all right, parental advisory. Okay, that's great. All right, well, that makes me feel good. That's so funny. <laughs> well, okay, so when I first met Mark, I was very much in my like. I don't really know what I believe type of a phase, a leaning. I don't particularly see this as part of my life ever in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was like probably an ag- like agnostic um, and then was like, I just am not really interested. I don't really care. And so when Mark, I knew that Mark was Christian and he would like go to church by himself. And I have to admit that I was like, okay. Like I was like, we're going to take it slow and I'm going to let you explain because I had some, some preconceived notions about that. Um, and I didn't, I was nervous. Yeah. 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 Well, and I would be, I am always nervous when I meet a new person and they're like, oh, I'm Christian. I'm like, oh shoot. Like, yeah. <laughs> which is funny because I identify that way, but I, know. I would not introduce myself that way. Yeah, and that's just important to remember. It's such a reminder that people are more complex than the labels that we put on them, Ugh. right? We contain multitudes. We do contain multitudes. And, like, that is that's a really – that is an important thing that I think that I've learned as I've grown up is that I – and I know a lot of people who are on this path, but, like, I took it for granted that, like, church was something that I went to when I was younger. And then when I was in my teens and early 20s, I, like, thought that I was too smart for that. And that I was, like, it was easily trans... It was super transparent that it was, like, it didn't make any sense. And that, like, organized religion has done more harm than good in the whole, like, circle of the universe. And I went to a church in high school that I did not... That was not healthy for me. And then... I said, like, I don't really care. I don't think it's any of my business. But as I've gotten older, I've started to really see the value of not only spirituality, but also of, like, the culture behind a faith practice. And I think part of that for me has come really from a couple that I know who has an interfaith relationship where one of them is probably spiritually an atheist, but, like, by family is a Christian and the other one is like spiritually and culturally very, very Jewish. Mm -hmm. And it's been a huge, like learning how, I don't know if you would say that somebody who's Jewish is devout, but like Mm -hmm. how serious he takes his faith and like, and, and his culture as well is, and he's really so graciously like invited us to learn about that. Um, it's just, I think that, like, it's changed my perspective on, I don't know, being patient while you get to learn somebody else's culture and also seeing oh. the value of that. Like, So does that, does that change the way that you <laughs> hear someone when they, when they introduce themselves as, like, a member of whatever faith? Do you feel like you have been changed by that experience? Oh, I 100% have. And I know, and I know that this guy's partner, my friend has, too, because when I, I now know, like, you identify as a Christian. My husband, who is the best person that I know, and except for his mother, who is the only person that's better than him, identifies <laughs> as a Christian. 
like I and my friend Aaron identifies as Jewish and he's like he's a very he's practicing and so all of these people are people that I love and respect and know complexly and they I openly identify as their faith so now like isn't it possible that somebody else who says that might be also you know yeah cool and that's one of the things I was thinking about in preparation for this episode is that one of the gifts of marriage is that it helps you oh, this ties in so neatly to what we were talking about with how the skills thing yeah you it's the other half of your brain right like you can yeah. see world you can see the world through a whole nother lens if you want to and if you choose to and like I can see the world now through my partner's lens which is that Christians are complex people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then, yeah. and that's what softened me to faith too, you know? Interesting. And not just Christians, okay. but Muslims and Jews and atheists and, you know. Okay, so one of the things that's really important in queer culture is the idea of visibility. And the idea that if, that I am a person that most people would not look at and assume my sexuality and the fact that I am out, I'm hoping, and I and I know from like a few like anomaly personal experiences, has changed some people's minds about like the idea of queerness. Like I know I'm a lot of people's like only gay friend, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and like that's and that's fine. Like that's you know. It, but I think the idea that visit like people who are out do good for the community, they the do. gay community at whole, as a whole, because people are different. Like just even like. I mean, I've taught twins that were raised, like, in the same household, and they're so completely different, like, even though they're exactly the same genetically. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's amazing to see. Like, I know that even those people, even that close, people are still different. Mm -hmm. So the idea that we need to have as many varieties or many um, visible people with with the label of gay or queer or lesbian or whatever is comfortable for them is really important for other people to know. Like, if I had been, like, 12 and seeing a person that identified as gay, then I think I, it would have been, a, like, that looked like me. It would be mm -hmm. a different experience. It's the same thing with um, studies that show that, like, kids need to see diverse representations of scientists because little um, kids who don't look like Albert Einstein need to know that there are scientists that look like Mae Jemison, the first black woman in space. Yeah. And that's, it's such an important, so visibility is super important. Yeah, yeah. Right now, we don't have that for liberal, progressive Christians right. and like the like self-righteous person in me wants to say like kind-hearted Christians because a lot of the Christians <laughs> that we see are hateful and and even if they don't think they're being like I'm thinking about people in my life that identify as Christian that that think that they're like disdain from me and my relationship is like a loving thing yeah like it's like a, an act of love to like let me know that god's god's ideas for marriage are that's such a mine. mind fuck to me i struggle with that so much because i do too and that's I, that like is the reason i you. struggle that is the reason i struggle with my christian label because yeah. that doesn't like that's not christ to me at all and no so, and it's so obvious to it's, me yeah, it's it, it it's it's exhausting to argue. Like I yeah, like because it doesn't seem like an argument. That's <laughs> that there was a time and place where that was like my thing. Like I really wanted to think about it because I was surrounded with all of these yeah ideas and people that had these these the people that I respected that had these thoughts about. And it's not just gay people. It's like a, it's a lot of different things. It's women working outside the home. It's all of these things that like if you're a biblical literalist that that there's all of this 
bullshit that goes along with that and that that women that subservience of women and all of this stuff that just doesn't make sense so right now that's the christian narrative that's why it's scary for me as a person to be a christian person because i don't want to be associated with those other people however it's not until more people like there's a great podcast um that i love that people should listen to called if you if it's an interest of yours called good christian fun and the the hosts are people who actually are identify as christian and think like i do and don't and like, don't hate gay people, and like, mm-hmm. believe that other religions. Oh dear, I we had an, a very interesting uh, experience at a Bible study where somebody tried to say that that Jewish people would like quote unquote come around one day to the Christian oh, faith. Oh jeez, <laughs> yeah, that was that was a tough one. But like, there's just like that's not that is not me, and I don't want that label. But like, I do want my relationship with God and Christ, like for me. So like, I want. It's a, oh, it's a real. Yeah, it's complicated. It's a real struggle. Well, so on the topic of interfaith marriages, too, because I think that this is obviously something that's so important to you, which is why Mm -hmm. I think that the marriage and relationship or marriage and religion are such tough things because religion for people is often so closely held and is so wound up, much like, um, I don't know. The other things that we've talked about, marriage itself, money, it's not, it's so much more than that. It's it's family, it's emotions, it's your values, it's your relationship with your higher, it's all of it wrapped up in one thing. Mm-hmm. And so when you're super, when you have a difference between you and your partner, not in label, but like in, um, in experience of, well, maybe in label, but in the experience of the culture of it, there's a couple tips that they have for like making that work. Um, One of those tips is to really listen, to cultivate like really good listening skills and also to really respect that person. There's a tendency for people who have strong faith to believe like, I am right. This is right. But you're not going to have a successful marriage if you're just telling the other person that they're wrong all the time, whether it's they're wrong for not believing or that they're stupid for believing. You know, really, is that not is not is that not the way to do it? Yeah, you would not you wouldn't think. But it's also about respecting it. Right. Like it's about participating in it because Caitlin, like, for instance, Caitlin does she doesn't just not tell you that you're stupid, which is like the basics yeah yeah the basics but she also participates with you because it matters to you yeah because it yes it does and yes yeah and also like you want to hear about her experience of not believing anything because it matters to you it matters to me and the kindest uh lens i have ever heard uh, or been given about people who have a hard time accepting us and this particular instances people that were very close to us like most people I don't care like whatever you just you do you but the like people within our circle that we can't not be part of you Mm -hmm. know um the most gentle perspective I ever heard came from my wife which is hilarious to me because she's an atheist but for her to say so her idea was that people who have been through really challenging circumstances in their lives religion maybe got them through that and and Mm. loosening up their grip on religion in the in the area of our marriage means loosening up their grip on religion period and then all of a sudden things start to unravel and how terrifying is that if that is the one thing that has gotten you through these in, seemingly insurmountable circumstances yeah yeah and that that is like that is the most gentle perspective i have ever heard and it's the only one that's really stuck with me and yeah. it came from a person who is not religious 
Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's such a... It's, again, I'm just reminded of the theme of, like, there's... It's almost like there's something bigger than religion, (laughs) you know? And, like, that is... If I had to sum my spirituality up in one way, it would be there's almost... It's almost like there's something bigger than religion. (laughs) Um, If I could have that on a bumper sticker. Yeah, I want that on my car. (laughs) I know. Um, I'm a genius. I'm so good at this stuff. You really are. I really should quit my job. I'm so excited about your perspective. (laughs) That will be our forever joke. Um, The other tip that it has is to have a sense of humor, which is good, because I think that people just take religion too damn seriously, to be honest with you. Um, Can I tell you one of our jokes? Yeah, and then I'll tell you one of mine. (laughs) Okay, one of ours is that I'm always, uh, like, you know, in the partnerships, there's always, like, somebody who's, like, quote, unquote, always right. And that really, I think that is a gentle way of saying that that partner, the opposite partner, is better at admitting when they're wrong. (laughs) Ah, yes. Yeah, because there's a lot of times that Caitlin's right that I'm like, well, I'm just not going to say anything. (laughs) Yep. So our joke with us is that I'm, like, quote, unquote, always right. Like, if I think, if I think we should go left at the stop sign, then we should have gone left at the stop sign Mm -hmm. kind of situation. And um, because I believe in an afterlife, and Caitlin doesn't. I, like, love, we just love to joke about how it's like, but you know I'm always right. And she's like, you know what sucks about this is that if you're right, you get to taunt me about it forever. For and literally if I'm wrong, ever. we will literally never know. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, the atheist dilemma. <laughs> yeah, so true. <laughs> my joke is not as funny, and it's not even a joke. It's just that my nephew likes to point out how most crosses um, are not correct because there would have been Quote, way more blood than that. (laughs) So. (laughs) Well, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. He loves gore, that little one. So. Um, And then the last. special guest, Luna, just walked into the room. I was going to say, we haven't had to do any, like, dog-forced drinks this episode. Okay, then my last tip is that in interfaith relationships, you have to have a united front with family. And because relationships, Mm. or because. um, Yes religion is so important to family it's extremely important that the couple has a united front because family can have strong opinions you don't want so in the case of my two really good friends where one of them is jewish and one of them was raised in a christian family um they you would never want one the one who was raised in a christian family is converting to judaism even though he's an atheist it's a super interesting story and we really should have talked more about this we'll have him on as a guest um to talk about his experience with conversion actually that's a better idea because he should talk about it himself but anyway he he's converting to judaism or at least he's taking conversion classes and you would never want in their family for his parents to be like, well, you know, Aaron did this to you. Like, you're only like this because of him. Because, like, that would absolutely be a huge wedge in the relationship. So the idea is that Aaron and Alex will forever say, no, this is a decision that we made together. Yes. I mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's 100% true. And I think that's true about conversion or just, you know, whatever you're, if, even if you are deciding to just kind of live in your differences. Yeah. That's... It, and, and that's going to come with its own problems. There are going to be times where we're going to pop this. It's going to pop up as a discussion. And one of those things, like like when I want to send the kids to vacation Bible school, it's going to be a discussion. We're going to have to talk about it and figure it out. I was going to ask if you guys had talked about that. Yeah, we have. And um, I think ultimately it's about trusting each other. And mm-hmm. I'm never going to send them to something that's going to be dangerous. Um, or Again, or against your values. Welcome. Right. It would be against our values. Yeah. But the thing is, I know that there's going to be times where there's going to be things I want to do that she's not comfortable with. 
And that's fine. That's for us to discuss in our own marriage terms. But we're not going to talk about it with family, you know? Yeah, it's not or their Or with choice. others, really. It's, it's, that's a, as my father would say, inside the picket fence issue. Yeah. So, have we talked about this before? No. Inside okay. or outside? Yeah. So my dad, when Caitlin asked him for his blessing, because permission felt wrong to her, but it was important for me that she asked. When she asked him for his blessing on our marriage, he said, you need to draw a picket fence and your marriage exists inside of it. And everything else that's outside of the picket fence is something that you tackle together. But there's stuff that, but there's, but that can't get, don't let it, and that's everybody. That's your friends, your family, all that stuff. Don't let it get inside your picket fence. Mm. So those are outside the picket fence issues. I love that. Yeah. That's also, that's what um, Glennon says. She says that about like something similar to like women so frequently ask every single other person for their opinion about what they should do about things, but they need to stop doing that and just getting, just start like getting really, really quiet and just knowing what's right for them. Just do what's right for you. I agree. And stop getting people's opinions. I struggle with it because I doubt myself so much. I'm really, I, this mindfulness thing, I'm, I'm relaxing on that a little bit. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, so we could talk about religion and marriage for a hundred years. And I just, if there's one thing that I want to take away from this is that you and I, or if there's one thing that I just kind of want to end this with, it's that you and I are, we were all of us in our marriages, you, Caitlin, me, and Mark, we're all raised in Christian families, but we all have different belief systems and different faiths that we identify as now. So we speak from like a, a lot of this is from a Christian lens, but we also recognize that like, I don't think any two people in my life have the same belief system or even like identification. And um, inter. I think that the concept of like an interfaith marriage might not be as they are common, but they might not be as common, but interbelief marriages are every single person's marriage is an interbelief marriage in some ways. Yeah. Um, And that can be a struggle, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And like, like we said on the budget budget episode, yeah, it's true. Um, The reason I think that it's such a hot button issue is because it calls into question your values and your morals. And when you and your partner disagree, you might feel morally superior or you might feel that they are morally inferior or whatever it is, you know, that's that's the reason why this becomes such an issue and an awareness of it can help combat that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You're exactly right. Awareness, again, guys, you got to get into the mindfulness practice, I'm telling you. So true. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I'm sure that we'll get to a part two on this one day, and we'll have to have our friends on to talk about the experience of being in a, um, not only an interfaith relationship, long-term relationship, but also um, with one person who is extremely ritualized in his, ex- I wouldn't say extremely, he's very ritualized in his experience of his faith, and another person who, uh straight up doesn't believe in God. I just feel like that would be a fascinating yes. interview. So we'll have to have yeah. them on. Yes, I'd love to. Yeah. Okay. So do you have anything to recommend this week? I have, I'm so excited about my recommendation this week, Lauren. Um, I have in the last couple of years become a robe person. Ooh, I, and I you gave me a robe at your wedding. Well, that's how I started with the robes is because I got all of my brides people robes to wear and then I also got one for myself and then I had it because the the package was for six so I threw Mark one in too um and Mark and I wear these they're short they're like right above the knee and they're like um like linen ish we wear these robes 
all the time, constantly. We wear them in the mornings, every single morning of the week. Because we get out of the shower, we shower first thing, but we don't want to get dressed until, like, my hair is dried and we've made the breakfast. We get dressed last thing. So what do we wear in between? We wear the robe around. Um, my... So I love that, but my big recommendation is my new thing, which is a winter robe, because oh. for Christmas, my mom got me a floor-length flannel robe from L.L. Bean that um, I, I opened ahead of time, um, and she knows that I do, so she if she listens to this, she'll know that I opened it ahead of time, but it is so comfortable. I'm wearing it right now. I've worn it to sleep for the last two nights. I'm obsessed with my winter robe oh, and I wear it gosh. like I wear it constantly. It's a game changer. I need one immediately. Yeah, because in the in the winter it's cold. Somewhere in our thingy? To the winter robe? Yeah. Yeah, you can also get it monogrammed. So of course, both my summer and my winter robe are monogrammed. I feel oh. so fancy. And so I cannot Thank wait for sorry. my first snow day because I also have these like wool socks that I'm going to wear, so I can't wait for my first snow day and I'm going to be so cozy. So I need to cozy. put that on my Christmas list immediately. Yeah, yeah. Also, I like when Mark wears his robe because you can see his legs. It's like he's wearing a mini skirt. Oh my God, Kate, <laughs> you and that man's thighs. I cannot. I know. He bikes, he bikes guys. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, what are you recommending? Bean, if you want to sponsor us, just give <laughs> yeah. Get out of L.L. Keep, Bean. I'm going to keep putting it out there because energy into the universe you know what i'm saying that's that's how we get that's how we got our dogs that's how we got our spouses energy exactly <laughs> it, it, uh, that's a story that we should tell one day on the podcast. yeah okay. <laughs> so my recommendation for this week is very appropriate because we've been talking so much about gilmore girls um amy sherman paladino's uh, newest season show two is on yes on um <laughs> Amazon Prime, yep. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Season one was great. Season two is honestly even better. And I'm only three episodes in. Um, one of my patients said that he liked it less. And then uh, I was like, I don't care because you're a 72-year-old man who loves Marvelous <laughs> Mrs. Maisel. So. Okay, well, it's all a matter of taste. But yeah, here's my, here's my, um, truly I love it because the whole thing looks like a painting. Yeah, It is beautiful. so artistically beautifully shot. The the dialogue is, of course, very, like, fast-paced, pitter-patter, Amy Sherman-Palladino. I love Rachel Brosnahan. However, I do feel like they should probably have get cast a Jewish actress, which that's oh, just me. I didn't know she um, wasn't Jewish. Yeah, she's not Jewish, unfortunately. Um, so hmm. that's the whole thing, which, of course, it's not without its problems. I just think for the show they've created, this second season is such a beautiful, like, distilled version of all of the things I really love about... Amy Sherman Palladino's work in general and all the the strong female characters and the witty dialogue and all the compelling storylines and all that. Yeah, stuff. and it's so fast-paced so, and the jokes are good and it's like Yeah. Yeah, I I second that. Yeah, and put your phone down while you watch it because it turns out it's better that way. Turns out you <laughs> you literally can't watch it while you're on your phone because it's so no. it's like I mean, I was going to say like it's like Gilmore Wing. Girls, but I have Gilmore Girls memorized. It's like The West Wing. Yeah, it's like The West Wing, which I've watched season three of The West Wing like 14 times, I think, because I just, I miss it because I'm always on my phone. (laughs) Yeah, right. I know. Yeah, even though The West Wing, you know how many, that there has been a huge resurgence in people watching The West Wing in the last two years? Oh. Yeah, it's how liberals comfort themselves. Oh, if we're talking about TV shows that liberals use to comfort themselves, can I make another recommendation? Please do. Okay. I will recommend this until the day I die. 
I still to this day cannot believe that you haven't watched Friday Night Lights. And I know that you think that you wouldn't like it because it's no. about football in Texas. No, Katie, that's not what I think. I think I've watched the, the, I need to watch, I need to come out for a weekend and we're just going to like burrow and watch because I've watched the first, the pilot like two or three times. Okay. The pilot's the worst episode of the whole series. The pilot's <laughs> the worst episode of every series. It I, is. I'm having a hard time getting into it. Okay. But it but is. wait, where is it now? Because it's not on Netflix anymore. Um, it's on Amazon. I, like I remembered it. when it wasn't on Netflix, I, like, I texted Mark immediately, and then I was like, we're gonna have to get a Hulu subscription again, and then it was on Amazon. Praise God. Because, oh also, I told Mark that he wasn't allowed to be my husband until he watched the show to understand <laughs> Tammy and Eric Taylor, and then did we or did we not reference it in our vows? You did. We that's did. A, that's true. We referenced it <laughs> because I am basically a guidance counselor and he's basically a football coach. And we, and then at the end of the show, well, I won't tell you what happens. I'll tell you what happens at the end of the series. They moved okay. to Pennsylvania. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. So we're basically them. <laughs> you are basically them. Yeah. So you have to watch it. Um, and everybody watch Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but also Friday Night Lights. <laughs> In that order. Yeah, pro- well, I mean... Marvelous Maisel is much more like cultural zeitgeist right now, so if you're looking for like something to lock- talk around the water cooler about, yeah. go for Maisel, and then follow up with, like, reminds me of that episode of Friday Night Lights. Right, and then find your best friends in the office, because nobody understands you like somebody who's been in the ups and downs of season two, so... <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's All my- right, well, I will, I need to, I really will do that, I promise. Okay, no, what, come up here and visit me and watch it with me? Yeah, I'd love okay. to do that. That's, that's what that, I want you to promise, too. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay, perfect. Okay, where can people find us, Lauren? People can find us on Twitter or Instagram at, at HowDoISpouse, spelled just like it sounds, or send us an email, and please, please, please send us emails. We love hearing your feedback about um, things that you heard us say or things that you'd like to hear us talk about or questions you have or experiences you want to share. We want to hear from you. Articles. Articles. Yeah, please do. That would be wonderful. It makes it easier for us, too. We don't have to do the research. Um, if you know of a marriage that's better than Tammy and Eric Taylor and you send that to me and I agree that it's better than their marriage, then we'll bring you on as a guest. Wow. That's that, a prize that I'm willing to give. <laughs> that I I am too. Shoot. Yeah. Okay. I don't think right. that there is one. No, I don't think so. But anyway, that email address is how do I spouse at gmail.com. Uh, and I think that's it. Yeah. Did we All spouse? Right. Yeah, I think we spoused. Is We've done it. Off to another week of spousing. Yeah, that's it. All right. Back at it. All right. Love you. Bye. Love Bye. you too.